Welcome to Career and Leadership Real Talk, the no-nonsense guide for ambitious managers who want to have more impact and progress their career. I'm Pamela Langan, a job search coach and expert CV writer specialising in helping frustrated professionals land the jobs and pay rises they know they deserve. And I'm Jackie Jagger, a leadership and mindset coach specialising in helping newly promoted and new to role leaders to avoid the dickhead trap and lead with confidence. Between us, we've helped hundreds of leaders and managers to find new roles, take ownership of their careers, and handle the challenges that job searches and leadership responsibility inevitably bring. And now we're joining forces to share with you what we know has worked for our clients. Welcome to episode one. In today's episode, we are going to be talking about how to make yourself indispensable in your career. And this is a topic that is dear to both of our hearts because we know from the clients that we work with that there is lots of fear out there about redundancy. What if things happen that are outside of my control that affect me in my career? So we thought we would jump straight in to the juicy stuff with our first episode. So Pam, Give us a bit of a flavor of this conversation that you had on LinkedIn that has led to this episode. Yeah, so it was it was another career coach who was asking her audience, is it possible to recession proof your job? My answer really to that was, well, you know, there's a couple of ways of looking at that. You know, if you think of recession proof, recession proofing your job, like, you know, there's there's lots of ways that you can maximize your chances of being, you know, one of the, the ones that are picked to stay if you're made redundant, or you can look at it from the point of view of really maximizing your career opportunities so that if you are made redundant, you know what your next steps are, you know um, how to articulate what you bring to the table and you are ready to move rather than getting caught up in, in all of the emotions of being made redundant. It's funny, isn't it? Because I've I've been involved in redundancy programs before, both kind of from the HR side of actually being involved in kind of the consultations and managing redundancy, but also I've been made redundant. And you just can't really prepare yourself for the types of emotions that you feel when that comes up. And that is not the ideal time to be making your best decisions. So if this is something that you're kind of worried about, it just makes so much more sense to prepare for it and have that contingency plan and understand how you can maximize the chances of making it work out the best way that it possibly can. So if somebody is in a role then and they want to kind of make themselves indispensable in terms of if their business is potentially looking to shared roles or if there is a risk their role may become redundant what would be the advice you would give to people in that situation okay well I think having been in that situation myself back in the last recession so back in 2008 where the recession was pretty much known as the the credit crunch you know and there was showing our age I know (laughs) It was, and everything was, you know, it was in the news, it was everywhere you looked and companies were starting to make redundancies. So at that time, I thought, right, okay, what can I do to to really stand out? And it was about really kind of homing in on the one thing that I did really, really well as a leader, which was developing people through having great processes and ultimately providing, you know, a really, really good level of customer service. So 
as you know, as we kind of went through that period of time, I supported my people, my my team that was working for me, and then obviously their teams that sat under them as well. I supported them, you know, through through this period of time where it was, you know, it was filled with uncertainty. There'd not been a recession for a while. It was all pretty pretty new to people, and what um you know what I was able to do there was really show how even in times of real fear I was able to motivate people how to improve the culture the department the department had taken over the culture was 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 not the best it was not you know it, it wasn't the best working environment I was able to really improve the culture develop the people support the people and then in turn then review the processes and you know provide a better level of service that was noticed by senior management so when we did go through that redundancy period I was actually retained by the business so I was given another job without having to interview for that particular job they just moved me into a different part of the business so while we closed down the whole site I was able to retain my job or retain our job within the business because I'd shown you know what I bring to the table what I can deliver how I can you know really kind of develop people provide a really high quality customer service even when we're going through real times of adversity so my advice on that is to really kind of think about what you deliver what you bring to the table so if you're a generalist you know a jack of all trades like what can you home into right now which part of that can you say right okay well this gives the bin the business the most impact like which which part of that is going to really kind of either improve profitability improve employee engagement um you know save the business money like which part of what I do really kind of you know, homes in on those areas and then start to get involved in more projects and, you know, pieces of work that allow you to show your area of expertise and improve in those things. And by doing that and then being able to articulate that to, to your senior managers, then you will be able to, you know, really maximize your chances because they'll see real value in you and they will you know they'll start to think okay well the business is going to start moving in a new direction once we've made this round of redundancy so you know we really need that level of expertise in a different business unit for example and I think the leadership piece is so key there because if you are someone who can effectively lead teams and make sure that teams are happy are performing well are engaged then that is such massive value to any business. And it's a massively transferable skill. And I think sometimes people, when you've been promoted and you rely on your kind of technical capabilities, that can be your comfort zone. And that can be tempting to kind of double down on that because you know that you can do that really well. But actually, if you can kind of really be the person who can get the most out of other people and out of a team then that is incredibly valuable because the noise that that stops for the level above you when they just know that your team is, you know, they're turning up, they're happy, they're engaged, they're doing what they need to do, they're performing well. Yeah. That the value of that is enormous. And I know from kind of recruitment experience that that's (laughs) something so many people really struggle to articulate is that they they will tell you chapter and verse on their technical capabilities, 
But when you're asking them about, okay, so tell me how you would go about getting the best out of a team. How would you turn around a team that maybe isn't performing? People don't tend to articulate that as clearly. And if you can do that and you can articulate that, then your value either within the business that you're in or if you're looking elsewhere is enormous. Yeah, and that really kind of links back to, you know, how you set yourself up for success in in times like this, in times of recession, or, you know, just when you are ready to make that next move anyway, because if you can articulate what you can do and, and what you've delivered in a way that kind of takes them on a journey through that experience, how you did it. Like so many people will answer interview questions and go all around the houses, but they will never really give the, the detail that's required in the how they did it. Like what did they actually do in order to turn that team around. Now, anybody can, and I see this so many times, like um, it's so frustrating when you are interviewing on behalf of clients and you'll know this as well. Like you kind of, you, as, a, as, an in, as an experienced interviewer, you're kind of sitting there and you're kind of thinking, well, I know what you're trying to get at, but you're not, you're not telling us what that is. And it really kind of getting under the skin of like what you actually did, because don't assume that the interviewer will know what you've done and anybody can answer an interview question and say well I took over a team and it was performing really badly and I turned it around and we started achieving our KPIs and then everyone was happy but what did you do because within that there's all of those difficult conversations that you've had there's those people that don't like change that will never never change but you actually influence them and help them to change you know there's so much more to just saying yeah I was able to turn you know an underperforming team or a, you know a disengaged team around there's so much more that you can you can do and part of setting yourself up for su- success in times like this is going through those stories, thinking about those key things where you think I really added value there and almost kind of making that your, think about what your top areas of expertise are. Where do you really make a difference within that company? And then start thinking about your examples and thinking through those stories. Now, it shouldn't be a hard exercise to do because you've lived through those experiences. So if you can start thinking through because sometimes we'll go through things and a couple of years later 12 months later you know we, we've moved on we've forgotten about it but if you go back and revisit where have I really made a difference where did I really add value what did I actually do and you start kind of going through retracing your steps and thinking about those people that you encountered thinking about those difficult conversations that you had and what you did in order to turn that situation around if you start bullet point in that now I'd never advise anyone to write like a full essay on (laughs) on like on an experience because you know you'll never remember that in an interview situation but if you just go back and you're like right okay when I did x and then you start writing a few bullets you know the key points of what happened the key point of when you turn that thing around what was it was it a person you influenced or was it the entire team that you influenced like what was it that you did in order to start turning that situation around if you start bullet pointing that then as soon as you get into an interview or you're faced with a job application you've already done the work you've already done the thinking and when you're in an interview situation or you've got a blank job application in front of you what you'll find is that 
your brain doesn't work in the same way as when you are in a more calm and relaxed state where you've got no pressure like your brain will it might take a little bit longer to to really think through those stories but your brain will give you so much more than when you're in an interview or when you're looking at a blank job application so if you can think through these stories now and really get them clear in your mind then you know you might be in the shower or driving to work and something else will pop in and you'll be like oh yeah that that was another bit that was another good bit I need to add in and you can go back to your notepad and you can add it in and you can go through those and then when next time you spot an opportunity and you open the job application and you're like right okay I need to articulate this and then you just go to your notepad and you're like right okay and, you know, you can really tell the story and in an interview situation as well. So sometimes interview prep isn't just about prepping for the potential questions you might get. It's it's also thinking through those stories and where you made a difference that is going to matter the most in that situation. And we've we've already got a future episode planned on um, interviews and kind of the mistakes to avoid in yeah. interviews. So that will be coming because, yeah, we, we have both done a lot of recruitment in our time. And it is just the difference between somebody who is well prepared and, and ready and able to articulate what they can bring when they come to an yeah. interview is a recruiter's dream. So, yeah, that will definitely be something that we will we will come to in the future. I think one of the thing I would say in terms of recession proofing and your career and kind of making yourself indispensable is to really take stock of what senior decision makers in your business value, because sometimes people, again, are kind of head down doing the day job and priorities at the top or, you know, the kind of next level or two levels above may have changed and actually, if you're still delivering to what was expected of you six months ago, then what is expected or what's needed may be different. So if you can really look up and kind of anticipate and understand what would be a value to the people above me, what would be a value to my boss's boss, then that's an incredible skill to build because what that allows you to do is to anticipate. So rather than be reactive and wait and to be told that the expectation of you has changed, if you're proactive and you're thinking about, okay, how has their life changed? Because maybe pressure's on, maybe, you know, the business isn't performing at the level, maybe, you know, costs have rocketed because of inflation. What's happened now in terms of their priorities or what might be on their plate and how can I deliver something that is going to be valuable to them? Then if there is that situation where the business is shedding jobs, you've shown initiative, you've shown the ability to operate with that higher level thinking. And, and those things are really, you know, aside from leadership, those things are incredibly valuable to businesses as well. And and the people that are involved in looking at selection pools for redundancies are typically the, the two levels above you in an organization. So anything you do to make their lives easier is likely to be noticed and be considered if those conversations do happen at a more senior level. And I'm sure, I'm not sure rather that people necessarily, like if you're in that place of fear, again, you kind of feel that constriction and you kind of double down on what you know and what you do that if you can kind of pause and look up and anticipate how that might have changed then you can change in line with that and that can get you ahead of the game too 
Yeah, and that is that really key, isn't it? Like that always looking up, like what is going on. So many people get caught up, don't they, and just focusing on their to-do list and what's going on in the day-to-day for them or their team. And before they know it, things have changed so much that it's then hard for them to catch up or to really understand it. So that I think that's a brilliant tip. Like always look up. Like I think everybody should be doing that in you know whatever role you're in. You know. If you're always looking up, you always know what's going on, don't you? What the expectations are. And it can be really, really simple stuff as well. So, you know, some specific examples I've seen of, you know, senior leaders tend to be incredibly busy people. So, you know, if you are just pinging them an email and you're getting frustrated that they're not replying, actually, they are probably spending 80% of their day in meetings and every single meeting they get to the end of, they've got another 20 or 30 emails in their inbox. So if you are frustrated that you're not getting a response, then actually you can change the way that you get in touch with them. You know, So if that's your boss, for example, it might be that rather than send them emails that you arrange a 10 minute catch up each day. It, it might be that um, you know, for things that are urgent, then it might be that you send them a Teams message or that you actually call them and leave them a voicemail. I think there are really simple things like that, where if you're kind of think putting yourself in their shoes and know that like they've got a million and one emails, it's not that they don't care. It's not that they're not wanting to get back to you. It's just that they are absolutely snowed. And if you can then find a way that works for both of you to work slightly differently, then you're a getting your needs met better because you're getting responses to things that you need but also by stepping into their shoes that puts you kind of above other people who are adding to their frustration of filling their email inbox while they're in a meeting and kind of enables you to be seen in that different light and to to have empathy for them you know empathy is such a crucial skill ski uh, such a crucial skill in leadership mm. and often it's thought about more so kind of down with your team and kind of being empathetic and understanding how to get the best from them but it's so key upwards as well yeah and you know things thinking about that and how you do that I mean every time when, I, when I'm speaking to people and the you know talking about different um you know different situations and things they've been in I'm constantly in like interview prep mode so I'm like that's a great example. So, and often in management interviews, you're going to get asked about managing up because you have to manage up, don't you? Like that's part of, of what you do. So if you start like making that a key focus of what you do and, you know, being able to show empathy upwards as well as downwards, then, you know, it. there's so many things that you can then you know, use like so many um different scenarios that you can then talk about in an interview to really put your head and shoulders above the other candidates because it it's you know a lot of you know interview success is around soft skills and how you make the interviewer feel. So being able to articulate things like that, the fact that you were self-aware enough and emotionally intelligent enough to recognize that you needed to act in a different way in order to manage up effectively like that's like interview gold isn't it (laughs) yes can't wait can't wait to do an episode on interview (laughs) I think I'm feeling it's I'm already feeling it's going to be a series we've got far too much to say 
So for, for today, what would be your kind of three takeaways then? So if somebody is in that situation where they maybe are kind of have a bit of that apprehension, anxiety, nervousness about whether their job is going to be secure, what would yeah. be your three top tips for someone in that boat? Okay. So three, the three top tips that I would give to somebody who's feeling um, unsure about, you know, the future of their, their role is to, first of all, um, get your CV updated. That is the first thing that I'm going to say, because your CV will do loads of different things for you. It will give you the confidence that, you know, in what you can do and what you can deliver, because you're going to be writing about it, you're going to be adding in all of the good stuff that you've done. Um get your LinkedIn profile updated as number two. So do that after you've done your CV so that you've got all of that good information to, to carry over to your LinkedIn profile. And number three is to really start thinking about where you added value. Now you'll have already done some of that from your CV update and your LinkedIn update, but when you start delving a little bit further into that, then you might even come up with additional things that you might want to add on to your CV. So for me, really setting yourself up for success is getting your CV done, getting your LinkedIn profile updated so you can start networking and then preparing for interviews in terms of thinking through your, your stories and where you've added value in you know previous jobs or in your current job. And by doing that, regardless of what situation you end up in, so if you get made redundant or if you just decide now is the right time to move, you are more than prepared to step in to the job market because you have got everything that you need there to you know to really give you that foundation that solid foundation to move on perfect and the only one I would add to that is that stakeholder management piece is really look up anticipate what might have changed in terms of those people that are at the more senior level and how their expectations may have changed even if that hasn't been articulated yet think about what you can take off their plate, what you can anticipate they might need to be delivered, and then really focus in on delivering that so that you get yourself noticed for all of the right reasons. Yeah, I think that is perfect. That is a really good combination of things that are really actionable, that you can take forward and, you know, get yourself really set up for success. Okay, so now we're going to move over to our career Linux section. And this is where we respond to questions from listeners or that we've been asked recently by our own clients or that we've seen online. And we know that other people will ask too. So our question for today. Okay. So I've been in my current role for the last six years. In the last two years, I've been at the senior manager grade. I received a 2% pay rise for the last two years. I know that some of the newer senior managers into the company are being paid much more than me. What is the best way to go about requesting a pay rise as I believe I'm significantly underpaid in respect of the market rate for my role? Oh, juicy topic. I think a lot of people will relate to this. I've certainly um, had clients that have been in this boat where they have joined a business. People that have joined later have had market rate and their pay increments haven't kept pace. And that is fairly common. So, you know, if you are in that boat, it's really useful to think about how you can tackle it because um, I think often people kind of get frustrated by it, but don't know how to tackle it and they don't. Mm -hmm. And they then 
kind of seethe, <laughs> silently seethe <laughs> the job that they're in. Um, and actually it it is something that is very tackleable. So the first thing I would say to this is to really, again, going back to what we've, we've just been talking about is really think about what is the value you bring because how you feel and whether you feel frustrated and whether you feel that you should be paid more is kind of immaterial in this. So if you're going to have this conversation um, with, you know, your boss or, you know, HR, or it depends what size of business you're in. A lot of my um, clients work in smaller and and medium-sized companies and maybe report directly to a founder. Um, So you have to really put yourself in their shoes and think about what is going to have kind of be persuasive to them. And that means building a business case. So as hard as it is, you have to step away from the emotion of how you feel and really think about what's the business case. The good thing, if you have been there for a while, is that typically, unless you are underperforming, business would be mad not to want to keep you. So they probably recognize that there is a disparity. They probably are kind of hoping that you won't raise it, but they probably do already have an appreciation that maybe your pay is not there. So think about how you can articulate the value that you bring and don't make this personal about, you know, so-and-so joined the business after me and I know that they're paid more, make this about, you know, so-and-so is at the same level as me. I believe that the roles that we do bring equivalent value to the business. These are some of the things that I've been involved with. These are some of the things that I've been delivering and you put yourself in a far better position to ask for a pay rise when you take the emotion and the the personalities out of it and focus on the value that you bring. And I would also say, make sure that you're not threatening with it, because I think sometimes that can be a result of that emotion too, is kind of, you know, if you don't give me a pay rise, then I'm going to be leaving. Well, you can throw your toys out the pram, but actually it's, it's, that tends to prompt a defensive reaction. And it's kind of what you want is to have a very adult business-like conversation that just kind of says, look, if you were in my shoes and you were delivering this value the same as these people, you'd be frustrated. Can we have a conversation about how this could work? So I think use what we've already said about understanding the value you bring, prepare for the conversation, but don't duck out of the conversation. And when you do it, make sure that you have a really business-like conversation about it. So what would be your kind of additional tips? I know this is something you work with clients about a lot. And I think what I always say is make sure that it's an actual meeting that you set up as well and never on an email or a phone call because, you know, you want to make sure that you've got that dedicated time where you're going to talk through it. And like what you said, I just say, go in really prepared. Like what's the market rate for that role? What are, what are you doing in comparison to what they're doing? You know, what, you know, can you bring any, any facts and figures to the table about, you know, the value that you're adding and also, you know, almost kind of presenting the facts and then letting them go away and think about it. Because, um, I always say never really expect a decision in that initial meeting um, because they're probably going to have to go away and speak to their seniors and HR maybe, 
Um, so, you know, don't expect to come out of that meeting with, you know, with a, a yes or a no. Um, and, you know, be prepared that it's going to be a right, okay, we're going to take this away and think about it. It doesn't mean that it's a no. Um, so don't let that demotivate you. And, you know, depending on the outcome, you can continue to have those adult like business conversations. I think that's the key. As soon as you do get emotional, you kind of lose strength in that situation. So if you can kind of stick to the facts and figures, um, you've got a much stronger case to build on. Absolutely. And I think it's for me as well, it's really interesting how people do so often duck out of it and look elsewhere. And then you see what you see is kind of counter offers where people Mm. are then kind of like, well, if you'd offered me that before, I would have stayed. So there is that kind of element of, you know, people can kind of almost make an assumption that, oh, it's not going to work. It's not worth raising it. I'll look elsewhere you know if you are happy where you are and it's only the pay or mm. you know that's probably not your only frustration with work there may well be others <laughs> but if you know if that's really the only the, the kind of beef that you've got yeah. then I think it's just really important to actually have that conversation and yeah. just make that explicit because otherwise there is that feeling this kind of then you know even though you may looked elsewhere got another job and got the pay rise that you wanted really what you wanted was the pay rise for the job that you're already doing yeah and that that does make loads of sense because loads of people will kind of like you said be seething that they're not getting paid like the other people um you know that are doing a similar or the same job and you know they'll kind of internalize that and at the end of the day what's the worst thing that can happen they can say no we're, we're not going to give you a pay rise and then straight away then you've got your answer and you can think okay well what what are my other options rather than burying your head in the sand not having the conversation making the move and then they say when you hand in your notice they say oh I thought you were happy like what's the problem oh, well, you know, I'm going to be getting paid more. And they say, oh, well, we'll match that. And then you've got the whole situation of a counter offer, um, you know, and all of the feelings. I mean, there's probably a whole other um, podcast episode on counter offers and the feelings around that. But it's, a, it's just best to have that conversation and know where you stand and just get it out the way so that you're not thinking about it and you're not seething about it. And it's not affecting your day, really. Fab. So our final section then that we're going to be covering in each episode is a book review section. And this is because we are both avid readers. We read a lot. Um, We're both very keen on our own personal and professional development and use reading to do that. Um, So what we thought we would do is share our kind of key takeaways from some of the books that we've read and really give you a steer on whether this is worth your time, because there is nothing worse than having a book that you kind of plow through and then you're like, okay, that was however many hours of my life that I'm not going to get back. Um, (laughs) So some of them we might heartily recommend and say they're well worth digging into. Some of them we might say, do you know what? We've given you the key takeaways. You're probably good. Um, And some of them we might say, depending upon what your situation is, you might get value from it. So the first one that we are going to talk about is one that I've not read. And so I'm fascinated on your take on it, which is the automatic millionaire yeah so this this book actually changed my life so I read this back in the recession in 2008 and it was a time where I was um I'd been in a management role for a couple of years by that point and 
I'm still in a lot of debt that kind of carried over from being a student. And although I was earning a higher salary, I just felt like I was living month to month and I could never kind of get on top of it. And that book was recommended to me. And I just thought, automatic millionaire, like the thought of being a millionaire is like so far away right now. It's just not, you know, not what I want to read. But they said, no, just honestly, I promise you, it's not what you think you need to read it. So I was like, right, okay, I'm going to read it. Honestly, it was so easy to read. I think I read it in about three hours, the whole book cover to cover. And some of the things that I learned, and it was like, oh my God, so obvious, but really kind of like things like um, the latte factor. So I used to buy numerous cups of tea at the, you know, at the cafe in work at the local McDonald's at the local, um, I think it was Starbucks at the time. And it was constantly like, it didn't seem like much because it was just a couple of pounds each time. But then when you add that up over the week and over the month, and it was like some months, there'd probably be about 150 pounds that I could have paid off debts and things like that. And that was like a real eye opener because I was like, where else do I waste money? You know, where else am I doing things that are like unnecessary just because I'm in the habit of doing it or just because everyone else is doing it so that was a big like wake-up call for me and getting my finances in order at that point in time it just felt like you know it's it's the right time we're going through a recession everyone's talking about the credit crunch and all this kind of stuff and it it was it just felt like the right time to really start reining in my finances and then another thing from that book which is really key was understanding like credit cards and loans and how um you know how you pay them off and also create a savings pot alongside them like that for me was just huge because I was like how can you save up when you're in debt surely you should just be paying down the debts and you know saving when you when you've paid off the debts but this guy David Back was like no actually that's not how you do it so he shows you a really clever way of working out which credit cards to pay off first and then and which loans to pay off first and how to create a savings pot alongside of it so that by the time you get to the end of the debt you've also got this savings pot um which I mean you can go into into more detail and think of ways that you want to invest that savings but just on a really basic level to get yourself into a better financial state it was like at the by you know it was probably about six or eight months in of following his like his process of paying down debt and you know creating the savings part was like I would get to the end of the month and I would still have money left and I was like wow this is really starting to work so it really kind of changed my view on my own finances and also give me some ideas on how to kind of create that like you know almost that financial security going forward because what I realized at the time was um you know at that point if I did get made redundant yeah I'd get some redundancy money but I didn't have a safety net I didn't have any savings and you know I'm sure I would have been able to secure another role but if I didn't I still had all of these debts that were requiring payment at that time and that did cause you know quite a bit of pressure and stress because it was like how how will I kind of overcome that I mean obviously you always find a way you know if if you need to you find a way but just going through that book really gave me a new perspective on managing finances and where you've kind of got leakages in your finances as well. So it was it's 100% recommend like everyone reads in it, whether, you, whether you're kind of in debt or not, it just kind of gives you a different, a different view on it. I mean, that's like 
2008 how many years ago is that (laughs) (laughs) you're showing my age now but um but yeah it was you know it, it gave me a totally different perspective and um and yeah it was like you know when I did go on to get made redundant in the future I was death free and had a safety net and got redundant redundancy payout which meant I have more options and less fear or less pressure so that's I advise my clients now to to try and make sure they've got at least three months savings you know three months of their outgoings saved just in case they do ever find themselves in that situation and that's a great book to start with it's um yeah I've definitely seen that is that one of the biggest fears surrounding redundancy is how long will I not have a job how much money you know how how will I cope financially so if you can take any steps and and I had it once um where I was actually made redundant when a company went into administration and we worked a part month and we didn't get paid so even though I then went straight into another role there was still that element of I'd you know not worked effectively I'd I'd worked for free for that month and if that's going to kind of create or add to that anxiety and what it sounds that the book does really well is kind of finds ways to make it easy to change your financial habits so rather than kind of you know big huge things it sounds as if it breaks it down into really actionable steps yeah which is just so key it's I think so many people will relate to that living paycheck to paycheck and you know there are some people who just naturally seem to have all of that stuff nailed and they're probably few and far between most of us probably could do with um you know looking at where we're spending what we're spending and like you say, finding ways. Um, I remember when I worked in London, definitely the latte factor. Was, that was something <laughs> I needed to know about back then. My yeah. life was spent in and out of Costa and Pret. And I dread to think even now after all these years, how much I used to hand over um, just on those small little everyday bits and pieces. Yeah. And you, you just don't think about it. But then when you start like really focusing in on those little like the small leakages in your finances and then you're like, wow, do you know what? Actually, you know, you could buy a new pair of shoes or you could save up or you <laughs> there's loads of things that you could do with that money. But it's like sometimes you think as well, is it was that cup of coffee even worth it? <laughs> That's that's definitely the kind of motivation I need in my life is to saving for shoes. Yeah, that that, that works for me. (laughs) So that brings us to the end of our first episode. And um, we hope that you have enjoyed listening. We would love you to join us again. We'll be releasing episodes weekly each Monday morning at 6am. You can get those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And a huge favor we would love to ask is for you to leave us a review if you have enjoyed this episode. If you haven't, don't leave us a review. We don't need that negativity in our life. Um, But if you have, then a five-star review really helps us to get noticed and seen by the podcast platforms so that other people that might like it will get to hear from us too. And if you want to be the first to know about when new episodes are released, then head to careerandleadershiprealtalk.com where you can sign up for email reminders that will give you a link to listen each week. Thank you for joining us and we will look forward to you joining us again on the next episode.